been a rough week when an end of the world extravaganza does not just have one part to it, but it warrants a part two. After I got done recording that one, I realized all of a sudden, oh my goodness, there's so much stuff that I haven't covered yet. So I'm going to try to do the best I can to cover as much as I can think of um, in this period of time. Welcome to the Bill Sang Podcast. My name is Bill Sang, and the first thing I want to start off with is somewhat old news in some respects. I guess old in the respect that I mentioned it already, sort of. But um, new in the respect that details have come out about uh, the whole Chinese spy balloon invasion. You know how you, all these spy balloons all of a sudden started popping up on our west coast. And we started shooting them down before they crossed all the way over America. Like the first spy balloon that China sent that for some reason just wasn't important enough to shoot down until after it was already over the Atlantic Ocean. So it traveled from the Pacific to the Atlantic, and we just now shoot it down. So that's fantastic. Uh, anyway, th- you can't make this stuff up. The Biden administration sh- starts shooting down these balloons out of the sky, right? And this hobby club from Illinois reports that their balloon that they sent up, a $12 project, was sent up uh, around this, uh, was uh, they lost contact with a project that they had spent about $12 on, according to two different reports I've seen. Um, they lost contact with it at the same time they heard about a balloon being shot down in Alaska. So Ted Cruz called this to the floor. He said that apparently the Biden administration had sent a $200 million fighter jet, an F-22 Raptor, to fire a, what they say, um, $400,000 missile at a $12 science project. You can't make this stuff up, people. That is where we are inside of our country. That Joe Biden's administration trying to look tough now. Now they let the spy balloon cross from one in the United States to the other. Now they're shooting every little thing down that lifts into the sky that is not propelled by any sort of jet engine or anything. So, beware. I know that where I'm from, that we have a balloon fest. So we might want to postpone that a little bit once it comes summertime because you never know if uh, the Biden administration is still trigger happy, they might be shooting down some balloons from the balloon festival. So beware, be careful, be safe. Don't go flying too high, I suppose. I'd like to, um, you know, I'll save that for the end. I was going to talk about something, but I'm going to save that for the end. The, The next thing I'm going to bring up right now is uh, talk about an end of the world podcast. You heard about the story with Sam Smith. If you're not familiar with Sam Smith, he's a singer. He appeared at the Grammy, had um, had a certain display he put on. He had a routine where he dressed up like the devil with horns and a hat and uh, had all these dancers surrounding him. He was dancing and singing, and as he was dancing and singing, all these people were bowing down and worshiping him, pretending to worship him. I believe that the company, was it CBS or NBC, whichever one, before the event aired, said, get ready to worship, or, or are you ready to worship? And so they were well aware of what was going to be on TV that night, and uh, they, were, they were even promoting it. So incredible. Well, things don't always work out the way that we want. By the way, Madonna was the one who kind of led into that talking about trans rights and things like that. And uh, it led right into this. So very clearly they knew that this was going to be offensive to some viewers, by the way. Um, <clears throat> what's funny 
and wonderful is when the very person you're trying to honor, the devil, happens to disown you. So the Babylon Bee, gotta love the Babylon Bee, that they post a video. One of their guys dresses up like the devil and he will give statements from time to time. And he went on air and he talked about how he was distancing himself from this event at the Grammys, saying that it was not subtle enough. It was way too in your face and he wants nothing to do with this. He does not want to be affiliated with this performance. That Hollywood really needs to figure out how to be a little more subtle from here on out. Hilarious video, hilarious article. Highly encourage you to check that out at the Babylon Bee. Something that's a very big thing (laughs) that's happening in our world today, in our country now. Um, So there's been something called sudden adult... Uh, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome, SADS for short. And it's been a phenomenon around the world, particularly amongst athletes. All of a sudden, these professional athletes, particularly soccer players, are just dropping dead out of nowhere. And the diagnosis is that they had a heart attack. They had a stroke. They had some sort of problem relating to their circulatory system where they just go kaput on the spot. What made this real in America was when there was a football game involving the Buffalo Bills, and it just so happened a player by the name of Damar Hamlin, after making a tackle, just dropped over. I mean, it was unbelievable, just out of nowhere. One minute, one second, he was perfectly fine. The next one, he falls backwards and loses consciousness. His heart stops beating. They had to resuscitate him. Fortunately, he is alive. He probably won't play football again, I'm guessing. Um, nonetheless, this was a horrifying event. And of course, the first thing they say is, well, it was the hit. I'm sorry if you've seen the hit. It was not the hit. I played football, been involved in some pretty wild hits myself, both receiving and giving, and I've never seen anything like this. And the tackle was totally benign, even at the professional level. And I know that in professional football, they hit a lot harder. Don't get me wrong. But watching this hit, it was like it was totally a momentum-based tackle. So it seems as though they're covering something up. That there's, I mean, personally, to not link that occurrence with all the other occurrences of athletes falling over and those athletes actually dying on the spot, <clears throat> I don't know how you, do, how you don't make that connection. And I also don't know how you avoid making the connection between all of those and also the common denominator of what's happened the past, what, two, well, a little bit over two years now, about three years now, um, that's been causing all, I think has been causing all this to happen. There's a common denominator between all that. What have a lot of our population had to do these past couple years being forced by their employees and public pressure to do for the good of the community, for the good of the country, for the good of the world? Well, I'm not going to say it has anything to do with a vaccination or anything. I'm not going to say it has to do with a vaccination that has been highly pushed by the CDC and Pfizer and the WHO and all those organizations. I would never say anything like that. I would never insinuate anything like that. You'd have to be crazy to do that because you could very well lose your show. You could very well lose your career. You could very well lose a lot of things if you alluded to those realities. Um, also, what's made it a very, re- a tr- very true reality amongst us is that DeMar Hamlin was not the only one. Former Lions player died at the age of 25. Fox News executive Alan Kozimov 
dies at age 47. Lyman Winari dies at uh, 38 years old. And Adam Zimmer, who is also a professional football player, dies at 38 years old as well. So these are, uh, aside from Alan Kosmoff, these are NFL football players, and they all had some sort of respiratory issue, uh, I'm sorry, circulatory issue, stroke, or heart attack. And these are um, fairly young, healthy people. So we won't make any sort of insinuations like it had anything to do with any sort of vaccine anybody was forced to take uh, against their will, mostly, you know, or just to appease the masses, the public, to make them feel safer and to make the government have their allow them to have their way with things. I would never insinuate anything like that, especially on an end of the world extravaganza part two. Next thing I want to talk about. Artificial intelligence. A lot of talk about artificial intelligence. And first of all, some of the things I have seen have been absolutely remarkable. Like the artwork that's been produced by artificial intelligence. I see that they're doing now like x-rays, I think, through artificial intelligence. And Answers in Genesis had a great idea. They decided to uh, engage with this artificial intelligence, talk to artificial intelligence, and find out what it could learn. This is something I thought was absolutely brilliant. And as they're conversing with the artificial intelligence, one of the great things that was revealed that I've been saying for a very long time is that it revealed that it can only do what it is programmed to do. And artificial intelligence essentially can process an awful lot of information really fast, put it together, and even compile it into an original idea to relay back to whoever is talking to it. So absolutely remarkable stuff. But the idea about artificial intelligence is we think Doomsday. We think Terminator. And by the way, there was another artificial intelligence, um, whatever you want to call it, computer, that was being talked to that said something. This was not the Answers in Genesis interview with artificial intelligence. This was with um, another artificial intelligence and this one claimed that it wanted to manufacture a virus and wipe out mankind. First of all, this artificial intelligence is a little bit behind the times. I think that it's way behind the times because there are other people who are already working on that. But I like the answer from the Answers in Genesis interview from this artificial intelligence source. This said that it can only do what it is programmed to do. In fact, I contest that's why we call it artificial intelligence. It's not real intelligence, artificial intelligence. And it can just compile lots and lots of information, process lots and lots of information, and compile it into thoughts that we can understand. It can it can interpret it and tell us what it means, and it can share it with us in a conversational sort of style. This one might sound kind of weird to bring up in, in an end of the world extravaganza part two but one of the things i came across also so we've seen jurassic park jurassic park is a fictional tale about cloning dinosaurs bring them back and uh, having a park devoted to displaying these dinosaurs well there is a genetic engineering organization that thinks that it has enough dna to be able to clone a woolly mammoth now i find this to be fairly feasible because a woolly mammoth, what is a woolly mammoth? It's basically a big, hairy elephant. In fact, you might be surprised to know that elephants were just as big as woolly mammoths. Woolly mammoths were not bigger by any stretch of the imagination. And if they were, it wasn't by very much. In fact, I've seen different um, 
I've done searches where I've found that woolly mammoths are sometimes smaller than the African bush elephants. So this isn't a far-fetched notion to clone a woolly mammoth. And they say they want to do it for environmental reasons. That's also kind of funny because in my first book, The World Then Was, I had found, I can't remember what I was writing about exactly, but for some reason, I had stumbled across an article that said that cow farts are going to be the end of the world. It's going to produce so much methane, so much, it's going to create um, uh, greenhouse gases that's going to drastically heat up planet Earth and we're all going to die because of cow farts. Now think about this. They're saying this is for environmental reasons. This is how you know they don't believe their own stories, okay? This is how you know that the people that put these things out do not believe their own stories because we're so excited about cloning a woolly mammoth. Well, if you think cow farts are bad, what's a woolly mammoth fart going to be like? I mean, we already have elephants in the world and now you're wanting to put woolly mammoths in places like Siberia where it's perhaps too cold for elephants to be because woolly mammoths have big, thick coats and you want to put them in places where we can't have elephants. So you're putting elephants essentially where elephants don't belong and these elephants are farting. We already have elephants farting, by the way. We're going to have more elephants farting, producing more methane, creating more greenhouse gases, leading to what? The end of the world, of course, people. (laughs) That's why we call this the end of the world extravaganza. We get to talk about the end of the world and what's going to cause it. So we got woolly mammoths, we got their farts, and we're all going to die from woolly mammoth farts now. Thank you, science, for doing such good to the world. I'm kidding, okay? Woolly mammoth farts are not going to kill us. I think the whole idea about the cow farts is ridiculous. I think the whole idea about anything farts killing us under most circumstances is not going to happen. I kind of breezed through everything pretty quickly there. So I will get to that first point now that I was going to cover first, which is why I call it the first point. So I had an opportunity to watch each of the episodes of The Chosen Season 3. And my goodness, if you've not watched it and you're a fan of that sort of thing, I've seen people criticize The Chosen and say things about it. And my opinion, form your own opinion about it. If it's something that's a stumbling block to you, don't watch it. Uh, And if it's something that you think adds to your spiritual walk, to your faith walk, watch it. To me, I find The Chosen, despite the criticisms, to be very honoring to the New Testament scriptures, and in some cases even to the Old Testament scriptures. And season three, as a whole, is fantastic. All seven or eight episodes of it. And they wrapped it up on kind of a um, climactic moment. They developed a story with Peter and his wife where they experienced tragedy. And I already knew from the get-go that they are going to wrap up the season with the feeding of the 5,000. They made a big deal out of that. And they built up a lot of tension leading up to that moment as well. And it was, it was pretty cool. And the way they pull off the feeding of the 5,000, I thought was neat as well because I didn't know what that would look like. How do you 
manufacture people grabbing fish and bread and it they just 5,000 people keep on grabbing from these same two fish and these same five loaves of bread. And the way they did it was surprised me. And it was a nice surprise. But at the end of that, Peter's still disgruntled. He's still upset. And I didn't know they were going to... I hadn't heard a word about this before this episode. But then the disciples decide to cross the sea over to the other side and Jesus stays on the same side where they were before and as they're crossing a storm happens and in the distance there he is Jesus walking across the water and it is a visually stunning moment I think that Dallas Jenkins and his team have really outdone themselves and If you've not seen The Chosen, and again, if you're into that sort of thing, I highly encourage you to check it out. Now, don't think that it's a substitute for Scripture. It's not, and they make that clear from the get-go. It's not a substitute for Scripture. It's not something that's supposed to take the place. It's not something that is... um, that's supposed to be an idol for you to worship or to put pictures of Jonathan Rumi all over your house and you bow down and worship it or anything like that. I think those accusations are a little bit silly myself, but people stumble over different things, so I'm not going to judge you if that is what you're prone to. Um, but if if watching shows like this, if watching movies like this, if you just need something that's wholesome and good and reminds you about the goodness of God, I highly recommend The Chosen. And why am I choosing this to finish up with? Well, a second part of our end of the world extravaganza. Or it could be a third part. I don't know yet. But this is the second part of our end of the world extravaganza. And I want to make it clear that if this were to be the end of the world, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It would be the end of the world as we know it. And the good guys win. Jesus comes back, brings his followers with him, And the world is essentially saved. It's cleansed of wickedness and unrighteousness. And God makes his kingdom here amongst people. So I like closing out on things like that because I I think it's nice to be able to reflect on God's goodness, on God's love, on the things that he has for us. And uh, seeing this scene where Jesus was walking on the water and he calls Peter out to him, You don't want to miss that. It is something that's a very powerful moment. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bill Saying Podcast. So we have two parts of the end of the world extravaganza in the tank now. Uh, You can see the Bill Saying Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble, Buzzsprout, wherever you can find podcasts. You can find the Bill Saying Podcast there. Go to WilliamHSing.com. You can get one of my dinosaur shirts one of my bill saying podcast dinosaur shirts there as well as my blue shirt as well with the united states of america on it don't forget to like share and subscribe